Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. I want to give uh, you a quick heads up. I know many of you are new to our church. Um, About two years ago, we made a commitment to partner with others in trying to plant three to four churches over about a three to four year period. Uh, We planted our first church by God's grace about a year and a half ago uh, in Roanoke, Virginia. Charles Wilson at the Hill Church. And by God's grace, this past Sunday, we planted our second church next to the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Our focus is the next generation, so we typically plant near college campuses to reach people for Christ that way. Now, I I, I bring this up not just because we just planted last week, but um, our district, we're part of the Evangelical Free Church of America. For those of you who had no clue we're part of a denomination, we are, but it's a good one. Uh, we are, uh, we have a, we're part of a, something called a central district, and our district superintendent, uh, along with uh, four other guys that are part of the team, they are wondering what in the world is going on at Village Bible Church, and how can we in the middle of nowhere plant churches? And so they are all driving down on Monday, staying overnight, and meeting with me on Tuesday morning for a few hours, and we're going to lay it out. So you can pray for that meeting that we have to encourage them to also plant churches. That's the way we see people come to Christ. That's the way we see people discipled and incorporated into local bodies. It's a big deal, very big deal. Now, today's message, I'm just going to tell you, it's going to mess with some of you, like in a big way. In fact, I believe the Holy Spirit will work through the word in, in a few of your lives where you will be really convicted this morning So much so you will feel as if you have to do something. And when you feel that, do something. So before we get in the word, I think it's very important we pray this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I feel as if this morning, compared to a lot of other mornings, that this one's going to be kind of really urgent for some in here. And they're going to feel you and sense you speaking to them through your word. And some of them will want to resist it and not do anything about it, maybe feel embarrassed. But this morning I ask that you would speak in such a powerful way that we wouldn't just hear the word, we'd do what it says. In Jesus' name, amen. Today's message is about freedom from the vicious cycle of anger. And you may think that's impossible. But with all things with God, that is impossible. That is possible that he can give you freedom from your vicious cycle of anger. That same anger that has blown up some relationships. That same anger that has caused you to split from others. Your anger 
And I believe God can give you some freedom today and also bring reconciliation from some past issues. Let's look at the Sermon on the Mount again. Let's do that. We're going to be in Matthew 5, 21 through 26. If you remember last week, Jesus was speaking about his kingdom followers having a righteousness that exceedeth that of the scribes and Pharisees. Today's passage begins a series of six passages where Jesus will start to get into what it looks like to have this exceeding righteousness. It's very important to understand that Jesus is not bringing new laws. When we start seeing him bringing up the Old Testament and his interpretations, it is not new laws in contrast to the Old Testament. But he is giving the antithesis of the leader's messed up interpretation and application. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament, which means he brings the Old Testament, remember, higher and deeper. He lifts it to a higher plane to the right interpretation that's been there all along, and he takes it deeper right into your heart, renovation of your heart. Remember the Old Testament, he takes it higher and deeper. Let's do it. Matthew 5, verse 21. You have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. The religious leaders of the day taught the sixth commandment prohibiting murder. It's not that the base teaching alone was wrong because killing somebody is murder. But they thought as long as they didn't physically kill anyone, then they were fine. And their purpose in quoting and teaching the commandment was to not to get at its true intent, but it was actually turned into a cover-up for not dealing with the anger in their heart. And what Jesus does in verse 22 is he interprets the law not a way that departs from it, but gets at the clear intent of the law of what it means. You ready for this? Verse 22. But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Jesus is saying that both inward anger and cutting words are liable to the same judgment as physical murder. I'm not sure you heard that. He is saying that heart murder and tongue murder is the same as physical murder. And the religious leaders of the day may think that's really funny, that you would actually bring someone before the Jewish Supreme Court of the land for inward anger and slanderous words. And that's a common thing. I mean, it's common in our day. Just go around the village, just maybe go into your home or go to the store. People, they're angry toward one another inwardly. Sometimes they cuss one another out, say bad words and insult them. I mean, for real, is everybody going to be brought to trial? Can you imagine us having a legit trial in a court, Supreme Court, where someone was accused of inwardly wishing that someone else were dead? Or imagine a person being brought to trial because they insulted someone or called them a bad word. They may not appear before a court of man, but they will for sure appear before the court of God. 
God's wrath, make sure you get this, this is stunning. God's wrath is against physical murderers. God's wrath is against heart murderers. God's wrath is against tongue murderers. If you haven't clued in yet, we are all murderers. And according to the scripture, all of us deserve eternal suffering in hell. 1 John 3.15 confirms this teaching. 1 John 3.15 says, anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. So those who have habitual, unrepentant hate in their heart will not have eternal life. Now, you may be sitting there, you go, well, how in the world am I going to go to heaven because I have definitely hated people in my heart and I've slandered people with my words. That's why we got to keep coming back to Jesus and his cross. And on that cross, God's wrath was against him in your place. Because just like we can say, I am a sinner, you could say, I am a murderer, according to Jesus. And the Father's wrath was on him instead of you. And we are forgiven by his blood. Now, you may wonder, well, why is God so much against murderers, right? We can understand physical murders, but heart murderers, tongue murderers, what's the deal? Well, here, here it is. People are created in the image of God, no matter who they are. They're created in the image of God, and, and the Father, God the Father, cares about everyone that he's created in his image, which is everyone. Think of it this way. I'm going to give you a little Super Bowl analogy because I'm sure perhaps you're watching it today. But in theory, people who play each other in a football game are supposed to hate each other, right? I mean, they really don't hate each other, but they kind of do, kind of don't, right? So when I was in Chicago, before I moved here, Chicago Bears fans hate Packer fans. They just hate them. They don't really hate them, but they hate them, right? Which is kind of weird because my son, Roman, he's here today, from the age of four to 14, for the last 10 years, every year he gets in the mail, new Packers gear. No joke. It's a long story. He'll go to counseling for it later. But he goes and gets Packers gear. Now, in Chicago, he would wear this. Can you imagine my little four-year-old son? He's, he's wearing this. And people are sneering at him. Ah, Packers, ah, Packers. Hey, hey, hey. That's my son. Don't mess with my son. You see what I'm saying? God is like, hey, I created people. For those that are my children, I've, I bought them with the blood of Christ. They're made in his image. And people may be clothed in the Packers gear of sin, <laughs> but you're still supposed to love them and not insult them and not murder them. So if you find yourself like I have and you think, oh, I've already done that and I have things going on where maybe I'm still doing that, how can I change? I'm about to introduce you to something called a transforming initiative. Transforming initiative. It's a phrase that it's given in a book um, called Kingdom Ethics. 
where the authors explain that Jesus is giving a realistic way of deliverance. He is going to call us to do things, to move in a certain direction that gives us a realistic way of deliverance. So if we're talking about being in this cycle of anger, Jesus is going to call you to do something that is a realistic way of deliverance. And and he's doing it in such a way like a parent. You know, we, we don't just want to tell our kids, stop doing that. We also want to tell our kids how to stop doing that. What can they do to get out of that? Same with Jesus. He's going to say, I'm going to tell you how to stop doing that and how to get out of that. It's a realistic way of deliverance. And the way Jesus is going to do this, he's going to tell two stories. This is really fun. Two mini parables. So look at verse 23 for the first one. Therefore, if you're presenting your offering at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. This scenario is that a worshiper, likely from Galilee, that's kind of who he's speaking to right now. So you got a worshiper from Galilee. He travels 80 miles to Jerusalem to make a sacrifice. He purchases his sacrifice. He stands in line. He's waiting to make his sacrifice, his worship in Jerusalem. And at that moment, a thought pops into his head. There is someone that he has insulted or offended with his words, with his action, with his life, and they are not reconciled. In fact, there is conflict between them. And the worshiper, as far as it depends upon him, has not done anything about it. Get this. He is to leave his gift at the altar and travel 80 miles back to Galilee to attempt to be reconciled with this person. As far as it depends upon him, he is to do something. He is to leave his gift, attempt to be reconciled. Why? Because he shouldn't go through the motions of worship. Do not go through the motions of worship when you know there is something that you're not dealing with. I'll say it another way. Do not go through the motions of worship if there is someone you're not dealing with. As far as it depends upon you. Doesn't mean everybody we're going to try to reconcile to is going to reconcile to us. But as far as it depends upon you, you have done your part and attempted to reconcile with someone that you have hurt or offended or insulted. It may have been years ago. We don't want to go through the motions of worship. So what is the trans? Forming initiative. Here it is. The transforming initiative is in the going. Because <laughs> this is dude, he's leaving his gift there and he's traveling back to Galilee. He is going, and as he's going, his heart is changing because when you ask someone for forgiveness, it is humbling, right? The going is the initiative. As you move towards someone to ask forgiveness, God is doing a deep work in you to humble you so that you can come before the other person and say, I am sorry for what I have done. Will you please forgive me? The transforming initiative is in the going because as you go, God's changing you. Remember when Jesus said earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, he said in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons 
of God. As you move towards someone, who is that someone? Maybe it's your spouse, your former spouse, your children, someone from work, someone in your neighborhood. If you're here worshiping today, Don't go through the motions because you know what happens when you go through the motion? It locks you into your cycle of bitterness. It locks you into your cycle of anger. When you put something off like that, it locks you in and it continues the cycle. But this transforming initiative of going towards someone, like this past week, I I was talking to two of my kids and I'm like, guys, Will you please forgive me when I blow it? Will you please forgive me for not being a good dad in this situation? That please, like when you move towards someone, there's something that's humbling about that. Transforming initiative and going. But, but also I want you to, to make sure this is the part where I'm really going to push you. It, it, urgent, be urgent about it. Look at verse 25 and 26. Urgency. Make friends quickly with your opponent at law while you are with him on the way so that your opponent may not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Truly I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last cent. Hmm. Maybe this is a personal conflict that has turned into a, a legal issue headed to court. It seems to be over money. Someone's going to get thrown into jail unless they pay the last penny. And maybe Jesus has encouraged people to settle their disputes out of court rather than adding to the animosity a trial can create. Now, another way to look at this parable is maybe he's just pressing the urgency of reconciliation. He says, you must come to terms quickly with your accuser and don't let the unresolved conflict continue. If one ignores the wrongs that they have done to others, it, it can get them locked up in this prison, maybe this prison of, of God's judgment or this prison of your cycle of anger and unreconciled relationships. Some type of judgment needs to put this urgency in reconciliation. Did you know when I first became a believer, I really believed this. Because when you're a first believer, you're like, man, I'm, I'm sensitive to God's word. And I'm, I'm not, I don't want to get into all the details, but you're not going to believe the way God was working in me when I was young. I got saved at 19. Now, before I was saved, I was a very immoral person. And I remember when I was saved, I was being discipled by this guy. And I'm like, man, I've caused a lot of problems in my past. And I don't know what to do about that. There's some damages all over the place. And he said, he said to me, he said, go to those people and ask for forgiveness. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Go to those people specifically and say, I am sorry for what I've done. That was very humbling and yet very freeing that in the going, you find your heart transformed and as you go, you have this urgency to be reconciled. Now you may think, well, that's, that's you. You're so zealous in your youth, but now we're old. We can't do that. We can do that. Unless you want to be continued locked in a prison. So I've been looking at this passage and thinking this week, and I've been thinking, what if we actually did this now? 
I mean, I really like how the worshiper in the parable is just about to make his offering and a thought popped into his head and he needs to reconcile with this person. And I believe that is from God. And I'm wondering, here's what I'm wondering. I got this in my hand. What if right before we're taking communion today or maybe during this message, a thought has popped into your head of someone you need to reconcile with. Someone where you've not asked for forgiveness for the years of damage. Someone you've not moved toward for what you've done to them in the past. And then they've done their part too, right? It might be 95% them, (laughs) but you got your part too. And you've not attempted to do anything, you say, I'll let that slide, I'll let that slide, I'll let that slide. And you're thinking, man, I can't go talk to them, that'd be too embarrassing. I can't go bring up that past stuff, that's gonna be crazy. What if he did this? Where you said, this morning, I'm gonna let the communion cup just stay right there in front of me in the pew. I'm gonna sit here, no one's gonna know I'm not taking communion unless someone sitting next to you may notice. But I'm not gonna take it until I can go and call that person, write that person, and ask for forgiveness. I mean, they may not respond the way you want them to respond. It may go terrible, but as far as it depends on you, you've attempted to do something to move toward them in humility and ask for forgiveness. So rather than just going through the motions of communion where you let that stuff in the past just kind of like stay there where you've not asked for forgiveness, Maybe let communion sit today and go and be reconciled. I mean, this meal is, we're about to take it, this meal is for sinners. This meal is for physical murderers, heart murderers, and tongue murderers. And we take this meal because our murderous heart has been placed on Christ. And we receive forgiveness. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.